I said to the Lord, Lord, I had a sermon ready for Sunday morning, and uh, it's the kind of sermon that needs an anointing. Every sermon needs an anointing, but it's the kind of sermon that needs kind of like a a preaching anointing. Uh, And and I I assumed that God would have me do that because I was ready for it, and it's just something that I felt would be a help to the congregation. And then as soon as I got up, I'm ready to go. I'm waiting for that anointing to come. I've learned something on this fast. Um, the voice of the Lord is clearer to me than it ever has been before and more frequent. And I think that happens the more you spend time with God, and that can be for anybody, not just me. And, uh, and I've also become more sensitive to the anointing because the, there's an anointing to minister, but there's also an anointing that comes when you're just in the presence of God. I'm not ministering to anybody when I'm in the presence of God, but I, can, I could feel the anointing come down on me, not necessarily to preach or to minister, but to, to just to minister to me as I'm in his presence. It's a different kind of anointing than the preaching anointing, but I started learning to become more sensitive to it in the fast. And so that translates over now when in the ministry times, I can sense the anointing come on me much more distinctly than I did before. I could feel it come on me, but it's like, I don't know how to explain it, Taylor. It's like, um, it's, it's like the knowledge of it is much crisper. It's like I'm more aware of it more quickly. Uh, it's like it's not as, 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 as blunt. It's sharper. I don't know how to explain that. But I was waiting for that anointing to come on Sunday, and, and, and lo and behold, neary was, it, neary was it to be seen. It wasn't far or near. It was nowhere in sight. And I said, Lord, what's going on here? And I heard him, in, just, in the, in, just in the still small voice, I heard him say, I don't want you to be in that preaching anointing tonight, son. I want you to talk to them like a family. Like, just talk to them. Just share from your heart. And that kind of flow is different to that strong preaching flow. And I like that strong preaching flow, but you know what I like more than that? Whatever is the will of God for the moment. That's what's most needed, not what I prefer or don't prefer. And so uh, I did, I want you to know, I did have, because Sunday felt a little bit like, like we were just kind of sitting somewhere in the, in, the, in the garden talking. And it didn't feel like the anointing was, I felt like maybe the anointing in my, in my carnal soul, I felt like maybe the people got ripped off a little bit because it wasn't maybe what they were expecting. But I know that I can't make that other anointing come. I can't make a teaching anointing come. I can't make any anointing come. The Holy Ghost has to put it on you. And, and he chooses what he puts on you. Even if you've got a different thing planned for the service, you have to adjust it because if you try to preach without that anointing, it will, it, it, you, you'll be in the flesh and everybody will know it. Like Wigglesworth said, a guy got up and he, he was getting very emotional and he was very, uh, you know, it was in a convention that he, the Keswick Convention, he, he oversaw every year for many years and he was kind of the host and he'd have different preachers come and this young minister was just, just a crying and a hollering and just in the flesh. And Wigglesworth couldn't take it after a, a number of minutes and he got up in the middle of his preaching and he tapped him on the shoulder and he said in his ear, I guess the microphone picked it up for everybody to hear, and he said, brother, you're killing yourself and us sit down. And then he said, let's all sing a hymn while brother gets quiet. And they sang a hymn. And then he said, now brother, are you quiet? And he said, yes. And he said, get up and flow with the anointing. Don't flow with your emotions. And he got up and he preached a great sermon and everybody was thrilled. So you can't just do it in your emotions. You have to do it in the anointing or it's, or it doesn't work. And so even though I wanted to preach that because there was some fire in it and I knew it would really encourage you, the anointing was, was more of a, a family sitting in a living room chatting a little bit. And I felt that's what God wanted on Sunday, that he wanted to share with you through me just the, just the, the frailty 
that I'm not a superhero, I'm, not a, I'm nothing special, uh, I struggled, you know, I could easily just not tell anybody I struggled and make it seem like it was the easiest thing in the world. And then when somebody does struggle, say, oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about, I never struggled at all. But that's, that's, not, that's not what happened. Uh, there was some struggle, and there was some valuable lessons about how the spiritual works with the natural, how the anointing works with the natural realm, and God taught me some wonderful things about how when you don't treat natural things the way you should, the anointing can only take you so far. If you do treat natural things the way you should, the anointing can carry you all the way. So I learned some valuable lessons from that, and I just wanted to share that. I also wanted to share with you that the anointing did come. The mantle did come. It was very tangible. It was very distinct. It was very holy. It was very uh, overwhelming in many ways. Uh, not traumatic at the moment that it came, but he told me it wouldn't be, but just very precious and very, uh, it's been 16 years leading up to that moment. You say 16 years, yes, because when God first talked about it was in Peru through Dr. DeFrance when he prophesied over me in 2004 about the ants coming to the church and that the, the, uh, that anointing would draw them by the thousands. And then, of course, ten, six years later, on June 28th at uh, 2010, we were facing this way. The roof disappeared and the mantle came down. He had an open vision. He began to sing. You know that story. And then another six years, uh, which made 12 years of qualification time. And then we started 17, 18, 19, and then 20. It's been 15 years, that season of David plus the 20, 2020 was that, uh, was that uh, pivotal year, the ending of one season, the beginning of the Hebron season. And it's been a long time and it's all led up to that moment where we were marked for it in 2004 and 10. But like Elisha, we did not have the right to use it until we had been faithful and until we had served our man of God. And just like David, he, he was, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him when, when Samuel anointed him in front of his brothers, amongst his brethren, but he did not have the right to sit down in the kingship anointing until he had spent time faithful to God and serving Saul. And so I've had seasons of serving, associate pastorings and serving many different people, of course, serving Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne, of course, serving in this church and being faithful in this church, but God saw fit in his perfect timing that this was the great glorious year. And we had some fellowship at the beginning, just like Elisha did on the plain of Jordan. And we had a big, a big chariot of, and horsemen of fire that came to, do, to try to divert our attention. And it was called COVID. And then we ripped our garments and dealt with our flesh in that 40-day fast. And then, praise God, the fourth part, the last part, the very end, which happened on December 12th, we picked up that anointing. And I just felt that God wanted the people to hear that, to know that it was a successful fast that I didn't, that I'm not perfect and his mercy was abundant on me the whole time, but that, uh, that he sees the heart. I don't need to be perfect. He sees the heart. Praise God. To be perfect, Taylor, would mean not to have drank anything except water the entire 40 days. And I tried to do it and almost wound up in the hospital because I so badly wanted to be perfect for God. I so badly didn't want to disappoint him. I wanted to honor him. I wanted him to know that I gave it my all and that I was like he did in the wilderness. But of course, uh, you, can't break you can't break natural law and expect no consequences. And I'm telling that to those of you that are overweight. I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. Some of you, you keep getting in the healing line and you keep making your confession and you just need to go to get on a diet and fast. Because God, certain things are not going to happen if you keep breaking natural law. And many of you are in a season of mercy like I was and continue to be. 
because I'm not at my goal yet. I'm more than halfway to my goal, but I've got another 40 pounds to lose. According to what the doctors tell me, I'll be in my optimal uh, healthy range so that I'm, you know, we, we believe God that we won't have heart attacks, but you keep breaking natural law, you know, you're going to tie God's hand in his protective covenant. You can't break natural law and expect God to protect you. He will show you mercy. You keep driving 80 kilometers over the speed limit. He might be merciful a few times, but you are going to get a whopping ticket. And you know what? You deserve it. <laughs> Praise God. You can't keep breaking natural law and not pay a price for it. I'm learning that more than ever before. So I encourage you. It's not all spiritual, although that is the primary. It is also there is a natural realm that we must work with because we have an earth suit. Praise God. We don't have our glorified bodies yet. Some of you think I'll just wait until I get my glorified body and praise God. I'll hear the trumpet. I'll look down and my big belly will be gone and I'll have my glorified body and I'll say glory, but you might be dead before the year the trumpet sound. So you got to make sure you treat yourself right. Amen. And I, and I'm, I, 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 I'm preaching to myself cause I'm still working on it, but praise God. God's faithful. He's merciful. I so badly wanted to be perfect. I didn't want to let him down one, one ounce, one iota, but because I needed medical help and I needed physical help because I hadn't done everything right in the years before I had to take those supplements and it broke my heart Taylor. Cause I felt like I was failing God by, by not just drinking water, that I had to take these supplements. Mind you, they're only pills, but still, uh, that I had to do that. And, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, uh, he said, you're, you're missing the point, son. You're so legalistic. I, I don't look at things like that. I know you want to be perfect, but I look at the heart. I don't look at the perfection of everything that you do. I look at your heart. Now, I don't want you to cast off and start going and ordering pizza right now either. I do want you to fast, no food, water, but, but I, I'm not looking at the perfection of whether you do it exactly right. I'm looking at number one, your heart. I'm looking at number two, uh, are, you, are you fulfilling the spiritual assignment that I've given you? That's more important than the perfection of the mechanics of the fast. And so he set me free from that. He set me free from a lot of things. And I knew that he was pleased. We, we, sometimes our hearts are right. We want to please him so bad, we actually get legalistic with things. And I'm not talking about now that people are thinking, oh, well, I don't want to be legalistic about the tithe. So maybe I'll just go and, and order some extra clothes because God is one way to be. I'm not talking about that. There's certain things that you never touch that you don't do. But when he sees you're trying your best, you understand what I'm saying? And like in this kind of a fast, he doesn't want us to be legalistic. So I learned so much. And that morning on Sunday, the anointing just wouldn't come for anything else but that, and I can't force it. So that's why we went that route. Praise God. And then tonight, I had that sermon from Sunday, and I had it ready, and I was ready. I was in the blocks like a horse. I got, I got, I got, my, I got my bridle on. Jesus is the rider, and I'm saying, let me go, Jesus. Let me go, Lord Jesus. But then I heard the Lord in the green room this, this evening when I, was putting on my, when I was putting on my microphone, and he said, he said these words to me. He said, that message that you want to preach, uh, that message is reserved. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that we don't understand about God. Thank God we have the Holy Ghost to tell us because uh, I don't know everything until he, unless he tells me. He said that message is reserved for the last Sunday of this year, for the 27th of December, because it is a launching, launching sermon for the new year. So he said, you wait till the 27th and preach that then. And of course, this coming Sunday is Christmas. So I have to do a little Christmas thing. I can't really, I'm doing it, you know, I'm kind of limited at Christmas because I can, I have to talk about something that is Christmassy. And 
there's unsaved people watching. And don't forget to invite a neighbor or a friend or somebody to watch because we're gonna, it's going to be more music, shorter sermon, and more just about Jesus and a very simple message. So I can't really get into the meat of stuff on Sunday. And next Sunday, the 27th, yes, that's the day I'm going to share that message. And I was looking over my notes, Taylor. There's so much that God has shared, but there's so much he won't let me talk about to a camera. Most of it, he won't let me talk about it because there needs to be people in the seat. So I'm going to do as much as I can, but we're going to just have to wait until, until COVID lockdown is over. And at least we have 120 people in the building. And I won't wait till everybody's in the building because goodness knows that could be July or August. But at least when we got some people in the building where, where it feels like more of a normal service. So a lot of it, I have to wait till then. There's some pretty substantial stuff, practical stuff, not all just about the anointing and just some very practical stuff and some projects that God has spoken to me that we are to do. He's told me a number of things about the future, about our building, about, about the ministry, where it's going in the long-term future, about my role, about Pastor Jenny's role, uh, about the staff's role. There's been a lot of practicals that he's revealed to me. I got to share that with you guys, but not till you're here. And then, of course, there's a lot about the mantle itself and, and different symbols and different things about the mantle and about what we can expect the mantle to do. He's given me a timeline. He's shown me what the next seven years hold every single year. I only knew up to one point before, but he's shown me all the way through now until 2027, every year, more or less, not every detail, but just in general, like a little pod. And I'm sure that pod will open up and there'll be 50 things in that pod that I don't see each year. But he showed me each year what the main pod is going to be about. And the Bible says we should be in the know. He doesn't want us to be completely in, he doesn't show us everything, but he Dr. Dufresne always would say, he wants us in the know. The Holy Ghost will show you things to come. He'll show you the future. The Word of Wisdom is about showing you the future. And that Word of Wisdom operated a lot in this fast, and he's shown me quite a few things so that I won't be taken by surprise and I won't make missteps. So that all has to be shared with you, but when I see you in person. A lot he won't let me share to just a camera. I know Because I don't really know who's watching, Taylor. And they're not, and they're not, the response can't be the same because I can't see the response. And I, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is sensitive. Sometimes he just wants, he wants people to be hungry and he wants people to draw on that anointing and respond to that anointing. And we can't do that when people are all sitting at home. And sometimes he won't let you preach stuff unless there are people there to respond. So praise the Lord. I'll just get, maybe I'll give a little, a little bit of the fast each time I see you until we get back together in person. And then I'll just wallop you. I'll just wallop you good. Praise God. I don't mean in a disciplinary way. I just mean, I'll just drop some stuff on you. And, and, and maybe, maybe that will be the best way to do it. But uh, today, this evening, I said, well, Lord, uh, if you don't want that message, I have no idea because I can share some stuff with the mantle and what happened and the fast. And every time I just got to check, I just got to check, I just got to check. I said, well, then, Lord, what do you want? You want me to sing a song? Do you want me to do a dance? Do you want Taylor just, we have a prayer meeting. I'm fine with her. In fact, you can just let Jenny preach. I said, Jenny has been real good. I said, I just stay home. I just stay home with the boys. You can let Jenny preach if you want, because if you don't tell me what I'm supposed to preach, I don't know. And uh, uh, he hadn't tell me about this message for the 27th until the green room, but I knew from earlier this morning that it, it wasn't the right fit for tonight. I just didn't know when it was the right fit. And then the word of the Lord came to me this afternoon, and I'd like to tell you what, what, what he said to me for this evening's uh, message. And he said to me these words. Let me just pull it up here for a second. He said to me these words. He said, uh, it's important that they hear your voice. And I said, okay, I understand more or less what you mean, but what do you mean? I know what you mean, but what do you mean? And he started talking to me and he said, it's important that the congregation of Promise of Life, especially right now with everybody spread out and there's not that sense, the same sense of 
unity. There is unity, but not the same sense as when you're in the building. He said, uh, he said a fragmentation has begun. And, the, and there is a fragmentation amongst some, not all. He used the word some. So I don't know what some means, but it certainly doesn't mean the majority. It means by far the minority. He said a fragmentation has begun. And he said they need to hear your voice. And he proceeded then to tell me, obviously I know this, Dr. Dufresne talked about this all the time, Pastor Nancy talked about this all the time. He said, yours is the highest anointing in this church because you're the head of this church, you're the head of this ministry. And he said, it is well and good for others to speak and others can speak and maybe they can even speak better than you. He said, and it's wonderful that your wife preached, but he said, your wife does not hold the highest voice in this ministry. And she has done an admirable and successful job, but just because you can tell the congregation responded well to her and she fed them, uh, that's, not, that's not sufficient uh, because they need to hear your voice. Yeah. And then I saw like certain, I don't know how to explain it, Taylor. It was like a, like a I don't know, it wasn't a blanket. It almost looked like a, like a very, like a scarf, but thicker material. It was like kind of that wide, like a, like a scarf maybe, and you know, when you fold it. And the edges of the scarf or whatever that piece of material was, was fraying. It wasn't like the whole thing was unraveling. It was just a little bit of fraying around the edges. You know when it's not supposed to fray, but it frays? And the Lord said, that's what I'm talking about when I say fragmentation. Uh, it's nothing major, but there are some that are, that are not laying hold. And he said, your voice is required in the realm of the spirit and for their ears and their spirits to hear you and nobody else but you for the next immediate season. So I said, okay, Lord. So he said, every service, every service until I tell you to stop, I want you, I, I don't want anybody else involved in the ministry of the word. He said, if, and he said, for a season, a shorter season, he said, you need to do the offerings as well. He said, because when your voice is not heard about money, money will drop and money has dropped. Uh, consistently. And so he said, the other voices are important and they will help maintain to a measure, but your voice is required because of the anointing, not because I'm special, but because of the office and the anointing on that office. And now the mantle on that office, which is a higher anointing, it is required for the people. And then, if, then he did this, like I could see that in his hands. He went like this and like this. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? He said, the anointing, that anointing in your voice will gather them and will establish them. And he said, it has been right for you not to be in the pulpit. I told you not to be in the pulpit. And there has been a marvelous maintenance between Reverend Taylor and your wife. He said, but because that voice is required to the people, there is, has started to be a little bit of this, a little, a little, just a little bit of kind of scattering and a little bit of kind of fragmentation and a little, just a little bit, not much, of a little bit of uprooting. And I don't have any natural proof to give you. There's no individual person I'm thinking about or a situation that I'm thinking about, but by the Spirit, I know that there's been a little bit of a, the root structure has got a little bit looser on some of you and you're lifting up when you shouldn't be lifting up and you're scattering out when you shouldn't be scattering. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about there's something about that, about that voice and that office in the pastor, the one with the highest mantle and authority and, and, uh, and anointing in the church that gathers, strengthens and solidifies it, it. It pushes it down back into the ground where the devil's trying to cause some upheaval and some moving apart. And so the Lord gave gave me uh, this scripture. So if you'd look, please, if you have your Bibles, please turn. I know we've preached on this before. This is not necessarily a new thing, but have a look quickly with me, please, on Matthew. Can you turn with me to Matthew? 
Matthew chapter 9, and would you look please over with me, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They were fainted and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And the Lord reminded me, he said, Did you notice, I did, the Bible doesn't say that he saw the multitudes and was moved with anger over them, and was moved with frustration over them and was moved with disciplinary action over them. Did you notice he was moved with compassion over them? And Jesus is not mad when these little things happen, but he does need it to change. And so I don't have any corrective note, any anger, any frustration, any hurt, anything like that. I feel a compassion in my heart because I know if people start to scatter and start to uproot, it only, it hurts them. It hurts the local church, but it hurts them more than anything else. And it opens the door for the enemy to come in and cause havoc because the strength is not there. But if you notice, without the shepherd, there was a, a fainting and a scattering. Now take the inversion of that with the anointing of the shepherd or the pastor. There is a gathering instead of scattering and there is a strengthening instead of fainting. Can you see that? And so it's so important that that voice, the highest voice in a local church has the preeminence and the highest anointing has the, has the, has the preeminence and that I've been away for a long time. You haven't heard me for a long time. You've been well taken care of and well fed, but the Lord said, they need your voice, son. They need your voice. And he said, when, when, when you get back into a flow, because Sunday was just the hors d'oeuvre, but when you get back into the flow of things throughout December and January and February, when you get back into the flow of things and you're preaching regularly, and you're, and you're ministering and they're watching. He said, it's may not, they may not notice much change from one day to the next day, but if they'll just be faithful and they'll just keep watching and keep listening, the anointing on your office will begin to gather areas that are fragmenting and scattering in their lives, gather them and strengthen them, establish them so that they're strong and they're not fainting. We need you to be gathered and strong, not scattered and weak. Praise God. You say, Pastor, I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't think I'm doing anything like that. Well, maybe you're not, and many of you aren't. But there are some of you that, that you're, you're, you're lessening up a little bit on your prayer time with the Lord. And some of you, and, and I know this by the Spirit, but then I asked my staff to tell me uh, what was going on with the numbers on live stream because they can tell how many people are watching. And I knew it in my spirit uh, that there was some, a little bit of taking, taking their hands off, Taylor, a little bit of lessening the grip, so to speak, the grip of faithfulness, the grip of discipline uh, to watch. I knew it in my spirit and I asked them and they confirmed. They said our Wednesday numbers have dropped dramatically. So I don't even know how many of you are even listening to me right now. I don't know. I know we had the highest watching that we've ever had on Sunday. So I congratulate you and thank you for being faithful and watching and listening and being a part of the service. But uh, our, and I don't know. Hopefully we have good numbers tonight. I don't know. But I just know that in the last six to eight weeks, the numbers on Wednesday have had a steep decline according to our tracking system. Now that tells me that people are letting go. Yeah. Don't tell me you're too busy. You know why you can't tell me you're too busy? Because that didn't happen over the, during the first lockdown. Our numbers were consistent. And don't tell me you're too busy because when there was no lockdown and we had Wednesday nights, our numbers in person, our numbers were consistent. And don't tell me you're too busy because before COVID started, our Wednesday nights were almost full. So it is not because you're too busy and it's not because all of your shifts changed at work. And it's not because any of that. It's simply because you're distracted. 
It's simply because your eyes are on other things. It's simply because you're feeling like, you know what, I, there's not much accountability. I mean, if I, sh if I don't show up when it's regular, they, could, they know I'm not there. And I have to get dressed and I have to make the effort, but you know what he's looking, you know? And then you get lazy and then you used to put on some pants, but now you just go in, in your pajamas again. And then the pajamas lead to your underwear. And then your underwear leads to, well, I don't know what it leads to, Taylor, but your underwear leads to you just don't show up at all because you're in the shower or because you go to bed early or because you need to go to the gym. Well, the gyms are closed now. Or you need to go somewhere, I don't know, walk your dog or something. And, and then all of a sudden, where there was, are you watching? Are you hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying? Where there was a... Mm, and uh, whew, I'm focused, I'm strong, I'm planted, I'll be there, I'm watching, I'm in. now it's like, and it's, and it's, and there's, and there's, an, and that's not, that's not right, that's not right, that doesn't please the Holy Ghost, it doesn't please him, and so, but I, and you say, well, you, you, how arrogant are you, you think just because you tell me, just because you preach that I'm going to do something, because you say, well, if you're thinking that, you, you got some rebellion devils that need to come out, but beyond that, it's not that I think I'm that important, that just a simple word is going to change everything, but the Lord said to me, they need to hear your voice, they need to hear your anointing over that camera, whether even if you can't see him, son, the anointing, I know how tangible it is more than ever on this fast, he said that anointing goes through the camera, that anointing enters their room. That anointing rests on them and goes into them and ministers to them. There's no time or distance in the spirit. If the anointing is on me here, it will come through that camera and that screen and it will go into you there. And he said, they need to hear that, that voice and that office and that anointing. They need to hear it because even if they don't realize it, even if it takes a few weeks, that anointing will start picking the areas up that are starting to swivel away and it will start to gather them again. And, it will, and the stuff that's kind of lifting up, it will start to push it back down in the soil and make it strong and make it and make it gathered and so that is going to start to happen I say it in the name of Jesus that is going to start to happen over these next number of weeks and where there has been a little bit of a letting go I say in Jesus name it'll change and if you've been letting go I I with compassion not with anger with deep love for you I say to you let's do it together let's pick it up together you've been letting go you've been releasing your hold grab a hold grab a hold Start, don't lessen the grip, tighten the grip on your faithfulness and on your watching and on your unity and on your honor. Tighten it. Then I knew in my spirit that the numbers were going down in the offerings. And of course they, they were, I mean, one week was really bad, but then it got better, but then it went back down again last week. And so, uh, and so I, I said, Lord, what, what, what do you think about that? And, and then, and then I, he didn't answer me. And then I went and I talked to the stat, to the accounting department. I said, I don't want to know anybody individual names. I said, but do you see any reason for why the numbers are going down? I mean, are people just stop tithing or what's going on? And, and, and the accounting department told me something interesting. They said, pastor, more or less the Sundays are more or less the same. There's a little variation, but not, not much. He said, what the big issue is, is Wednesday night offerings have almost stopped. So he said, people are not, we know they're not watching enough and then they're not giving. Now I'm not, listen, I'll tell you later when I, maybe another sermon, but God dealt with me about the difference between manipulation and pressure and between teaching and correction. There is a difference between manipulating the congregation and putting pressure on them, which comes from a motive of fear in my heart. Do you understand? And there's a difference between teaching the congregation and correcting them, which is a pure place from the word, and it comes from a motive of faith in my heart. And if I operate in fear, I wouldn't ever pressure you unless I was afraid. 
If I'm afraid and I'm under pressure, I'm going to put pressure on you. But that's a very wrong thing to do. First of all, it opens the door to demons. Second of all, it opens the door for you to become offended with me. And it kills the anointing. And it displeases the Lord. So he warned me during this fast. I can't get into all of it now, but it's a whole sermon in and of itself. Never, ever pressure the people. Never, ever manipulate the people about anything, especially about money. Never, ever do that. He said, however, do and do it frequently and do it under the anointing and do it according to my word. Teach the people and correct the people from a place of faith. So what I'm doing tonight, I am not in any way afraid for our budget. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not. I'm not in any way concerned. I have no motivation of fear. I'm not coming at you to put pressure or manipulation on you. Not in any way, shape or form. I'm saying this out of compassion. I'm saying it out of faith in God's word. I put the pressure on him to meet the budget. He wants in his highest flow to meet you. But if you won't do it, he'll bring it from another source. I have no fear. I have no Nothing of that sort in my heart whatsoever. And I can put my hand on the Bible and, and, and if I don't like to say that, but for, for, for lack of a better word, I, I can swear it if you know what I'm saying. I give you my solemn word, my solemn oath that I'm not saying this out of fear. I have no fear. I'm saying this from a place of faith, according to the scriptures, to teach and correct not to pressure and manipulate. But my brothers and sisters, if you have been, if you've been giving, maybe you've been tithing, but we don't just need your tithe. You need to give offerings according to Malachi 3. He said for both, if you don't give tithes and offerings, you've robbed them, not just the tithe. Read it. It says both. Now, if you have been doing that faithfully on Wednesday night and all of a sudden you stop, why would you stop? Well, I stopped because I don't watch, I didn't watch live stream. For years I've been traveling, Taylor. You know how many dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times, I haven't been able to see a service because of the time zone difference, because I've been in another country? Do you think I've ever, just because I didn't watch the service or because I didn't attend the service, you think I ever once didn't give my offering on that Wednesday night? Not once, ever. It doesn't matter whether I'm here or not. It doesn't matter whether I watch or not. I watch if I can, and I attend, obviously, if I can. But if I can't, and it's impossible because I'm working or I'm traveling or I'm flying or whatever, I'm sick or whatever the reason is, Every single week I give a Wednesday and I give two Sundays and it doesn't matter what the reason, it doesn't matter where I am. That's just the standard because that's God's money. It, he, that's, I've committed it to him. So for people to say I don't give because I don't watch, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it makes any sense to God because it was still his money. You would have done it if, if, the, if the church doors were open because you'd be here. So there's no excuse not to. You see, I'm correcting you on that. I'm not. I'm teaching you what God expects. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. So in Jesus' name, I say, lay hold faster. Lay hold, lay hold, get your grip stronger on your faithfulness in watching and in giving because the only one that you're hurting is you. The only one, see, when you lessen your faith, you think you're getting away with something, but you're not. When you lessen your faith and your faithfulness and your giving, what happens is your faith in other areas, whether you realize it or not, lessens. And now you're not believing God the same way and you don't have confidence with God the same way because you know you've been unfaithful to his house and to his covenant of tithing and giving. So now you're trying to believe God for this and you notice that it's, it's a little slippery. It doesn't work the same way. You don't have traction the same way. Now you're trying to stand for healing, but you don't have traction the same way. And you think, what's wrong? Now you feel a little bit more sad. You feel a little bit more disconnected. You feel a little bit more depressed and you're thinking, what's wrong? Well, it's because you lessened your grip of faithfulness. If you keep your grip of faithfulness, you'll see the anointing will keep operating. Your faith will operate at peak performance. So I encourage you, let's, let's pick it up. Praise God. If, if you watched Wednesday before, watch it again. If you didn't watch Wednesday before, start watching it. If you gave, keep giving. And if the Lord leads you to give more, then give more. But just be led by the Holy Ghost because if everybody does their part, it will all come 
to pass. Hallelujah. So he said to me, they need to hear your voice on a few different things. One, they need to hear your voice for planting or for, or for, uh, for, for kind of going strong. That, that, remember, he went like this and like this. So I'm talking about that planting, that strengthening, not fainting, but strengthening. That comes from my voice because it's the office of the pastor, the anointing in it. Then you need my voice for gathering because he went like this. Remember, they, they were fainted. They fainted because they were weak and they scattered because they weren't gathered. So that anointing is going to help gather you over the next number. If there's been any kind, so many of you haven't had any, you haven't listened at all. And I salute you and I thank you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to the ones who know in their heart that, Pastor, I'm guilty of that. I've let go a little bit. I haven't stayed as close to you in my heart as I should have. I haven't been as faithful to watch as I should have. I've been distracted. I haven't given like I should have. I'm sorry. Don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to the Lord. Make it right. Make the quick adjustment. And that anointing over the next number of weeks, you're going to see it's going to feel like a, and it's going to feel like a, and there's going to be a strength that comes into you. I've been away for a long time at God's bidding, but he said, you, they, you need to get back now. There can be no delay. There can be nobody else's voice because it's already started to fragment, but it will be reversed. The anointing will reverse it because I believe the people's hearts are pure. I believe the people's hearts are right. And I believe you're receiving what I'm saying in the spirit with which it said, which is a compassionate spirit and a corrective spirit, but not a hurtful spirit. Praise God. So he said these, this is part of it. Then he also said the correction. I've already said that the correction of watching and giving. And, and if there's any other form of correction in your life, the Lord, he's only said to me those two things, but there may be other things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, like there's some obvious things, like if you're not married, stop having sex. <laughs> Praise God. Because the Lord talked to me today about somebody in the church that's having sex that's not married. And he said, now you deal with that or I'll deal with it. And when God deals with it, he deals with it publicly. So he's giving me a chance to deal with it privately to preserve your dignity and your self-respect. So I'll have to deal with that. Praise God. Don't you love the Holy Ghost, Taylor? He will keep the church squeaky clean. He don't like grease on the window. He doesn't like sin stains in the local church. So there's other areas of correction, but I'm not saying nothing else publicly except these simple things. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, hey, I don't know everything, Taylor. I do, thank God I don't. People get away. I'm sure they get away with a lot more than I realize. But every now and then the Lord will just speak to me and say, you deal with that now. And you deal with that over there now. And that person over there, they're turning in their heart toward you'd pray or call or do this. And I do. And there's a rescue that comes. I wouldn't know any of it if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the senior pastor of Promise of Life whose name is the Holy Ghost. And I'm the junior. Praise the Lord. Thank God for him because he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm just trying to keep, catch up. I don't get it all right. And I miss it a lot of times. But I'm just trying to catch up. Praise the Lord. So there was some correction there. There's some gathering. There's some strengthening. But the last point, number four, and I'll end with this, uh, is he said, they need your voice for encouragement. They need your voice to strengthen them and encourage, for encouraging them because some of them feel so alone and they feel so disconnected and they feel like, like, oh, another wave. My goodness, they already robbed Easter from us. Now they're going to rob Christmas. Maybe it is a conspiracy. Maybe we should uh, pick at Doug Ford's house. Maybe we should. No, no, that's not the answer. You pray for him. You don't pick at him. You don't speak against him. Don't speak against him. Don't, don't. I hear the Holy Ghost say in my spirit, don't speak against the leadership. Don't 
speak against the leadership, even in the government, even if they're wrong, even if you disagree, watch your words against them. You will open judgment to come on your life if you curse the leaders of this nation. The Bible doesn't tell us to complain at them or to be against them or to pick at them or to, to, to gnash at them with our teeth. He does not tell us that. He tells us, Paul says, to pray, pray, pray for those in authority. And I'm warning you, if you keep speaking against them, you're going to open a door to judgment. Not that God will judge you, but you'll open the door for the devil to come in. You are not permitted to speak against church leadership. When they did, the snakes came. Do you remember that? When they did, the snakes came. And that's why he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Because the snakes came because the Bible says they, they, they grumbled and complained against God himself and against Moses. So don't, don't complain against God. You'll open the door. Don't blame him for stuff. And don't complain against me and, and the staff and the church leadership. Don't touch the anointing. You'll open a door. But also, I'm telling you, don't, you can disagree, but don't speak against the leadership of a country. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Oh my God, I am not a fan of our prime minister in any way, shape, or form, but I will not speak against him. I can deal with things in the spirit, and sometimes the anointing comes on me to deal with things in the spirit, but that's not speaking against. That's dealing with things in the spirit and prayer. That's with the authority of God. But in general conversation, I'm very careful. I watch my mouth. I don't, I don't talk. I used to. And God got on, on me, Taylor. He said, you're going to open the door to judgment. I said, what do you mean? That guy's full of devils. He said, these Christians are the most despised part of Canadian society. I heard him out of my own ears on, on talking to a group of people. I said, Lord, he deserves what I say. He said, you'll open the door to judgment. He means judge yourself lest you be judged, 1 Corinthians 11. Not that he judges me, but I open the door. I'll open the door. If I speak against leadership, it's rebellion. I don't care even if they're wrong. You don't, you don't curse them with your words. You don't make fun and jokes about them and mock them. You don't go picketing them. You, when there's a problem, you pray. And you just say, Father, thank you for the wisdom of God on them. Lord, if they're ungodly men, you can remove them, Father. We want godly men in office. But I will not speak against them in rebellion. I refuse. So that, that, that is a, I wasn't planning on saying that, but that is a spiritually discerned truth. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, say it, son, because some of them need to repent. They've been speaking against him, not in a way of the spirit. I've heard Pastor Nancy speak against Barack Obama. By the spirit, she was praying and, and prophesying and she talked and also about, about uh, what's the lady, Hillary Clinton. But that was not a malicious, carnal, soul-fed words. Those were judgment words by the spirit. That's totally different. But unless you're in prayer and in the spirit and you're speaking for God by the spirit about things, that's as far as we go. When regular conversation on our Facebook pages, on this, on that, you better be careful what you're saying. God will hold you accountable because you're not praying. How can you pray for somebody when you're bad-mouthing them? How can you pray for me if you sit around your table and say, well, can you believe this and can you believe that? And you're not really praying for me if you're doing that because if you were, the Holy Ghost wouldn't let you say that. You'd be so smitten in your heart with conviction that you'd shut your mouth. So you're not told to talk about the prime minister or about our premier. You're told to pray for them. So pray for them. Uh, and don't think you could do a better job because nobody voted you in. Okay, so just pray for them. And do your job to pray for them. And let's just be honorable. I'm telling you, God's dealt with a lot with me on this fast, Taylor. And a lot of stuff I thought was okay, he dealt with me. He said, I'll tell you this. I said, I'll give you little nuggets here and there. But he said to me, he said, uh, he said what you got away with before the mantle, you will not get away with after the mantle. 
He said, what you thought was okay before the mental, I will reveal to you how much you thought was okay. And it's not okay. Including how you eat. Including how you talk about the government. I mean, he went through a whole bunch of stuff. He said, son, on a lesser anointing, you can get away with stuff. On a higher anointing, you open the door, you can die. You don't get away with things when there's a higher anointing. Now, I have to take the lead. You may get away with it for a while because the, that measure of the anointing is lightly resting on you. But you keep doing it over the next few years, you watch and see what will happen. Because as it gets stronger on me, it gets strong. Remember the Bible, the Lord told me the, the anointing, this mantle will grow in power in the months and years to come. We're at a start. You don't, the car doesn't get to 200 miles an hour in the first second. No matter how fast it is. Even the Tesla, praise God which I'm getting, but anyway, anyway, uh, it doesn't matter how fast the car or the engine is. Y there is still an, incre an increasing period. No matter how fast your Ferrari is, there is an increasing period. It might be faster than the minivan, but it's still on the increase. And the anointing is on an increase. It doesn't instantly go like a, like a jump, like a quantum leap. It grows. That's how God does it with plants. Like that's how he does it with human beings from babies to adults. It's a pattern and it works in the spirit too. It grows. There are suddenlies within the growth, but ultimately it still grows. Look at Jesus' ministry. Jesus did more powerful miracles at the end of his ministry than he did at the beginning of his ministry. For the first person he raised from the dead, Jairus' daughter was dead less than an hour about an hour. For the second person, the woman at Nain, uh, son, he was dead less than a day because in Jewish culture, you have to bury the same day they die before, before the sun sets at six. So if he died at six in the morning, he would have been dead up to possibly 12 hours maximum. But it was less than a day. The third person, Lazarus, was three days. Do you see that? Did you know that Jesus, Benny Hinn, stuck, took it from Jesus and so did Catherine Kuhlman? Gee, they weren't the first one to go, and have 400 people fall down. <laughs> I was reading in the Bible, and when Jesus came, when they came in the garden to take him, and it says, and many of them, and I've studied, the theologians say there was about three to 400 guards. In the movie, you've got like six guys with, you know, a little, a little, a little tiny knife. There was three to 400 guards of the temple of the high priest that came. That's what theologians say, three to 400 based at that time in history. And if you look at it, they came to him and they say, who do you seek? We seek Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus lifted up his hands like this. And it says every man fell to the ground. 400, it's like everybody in this church, this church packed and Jesus go, and everybody go, hits the dirt. And they weren't catchers and they weren't faking it. And they weren't thinking, ooh, the anointing. They wanted to kill him and God knocked him out. And I said, Lord, that is so cool. Why did you do that? And the Lord answered me. He said, you know why I did that, son? He said, I did that because I wanted them to know that they weren't taking me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted them to know I was giving my life. They weren't taking it. What Jesus was letting them know is I can take all of you at once. That's what he was saying, yeah, Taylor. Yeah, 400 people, three to 400 people fell down at the same time instantly and none of them were doing a Pentecostal drop <laughs> because they didn't want to fall down. That wasn't a church service. They wanted to grab him and the power of God. See, you know how we're like, we just feel the slightest tendency. Our hearts are so hungry. And it was, oh, Jesus. Now, sometimes it's real, like on Sunday where I couldn't say, and other times it's a Pentecostal courtesy drop. There was no Pentecostal courtesy drop in any way. These people were smitten by the power of Jesus. And Jesus did it to let them know, from this moment forward, be aware, you cannot force it upon me. 
I can stop you at any time I choose. If I choose to stop you before, me, I, before you nail me, I just put my hand up like this and I'll throw you 100 feet. If I choose to stop you before you whip me, I put my hand up and I'll knock those Roman guards back 100 feet. Yeah. I'm letting all of you know, I choose to do this. Yeah. You're not taking it from me. That's powerful, Taylor. Yeah. He gave his life. They didn't take his life. Praise God. So I'm just saying, I learned so much on this fast on so many levels. And the Lord said, what you got away with, with the lesser anointing, you will not, it will not be permitted in the greater anointing. And I got afraid. I said, well, Lord, my God, you're asking me to be perfect now. I have to eat grapes all the time or something. I can't have no, I can't have no more coconut cream pie. But I'll always have coconut cream, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about gluttony. He's talking about that kind of stuff. He, but, but he, he says, I said, what, I have to be perfect now? I, it, like, and he says, no, son. He said, I told you it grows in its power and you will grow in your consecration. But before you were maybe leveling out or a little bit now and then level a little bit now and then level, he said, but with this higher anointing, the, the expectation is higher and it can't just be like this. It has to be a constant increase. He said, I'm not making you, uh, you know, don't, don't have the attitude like you're going to be, uh, you know, a monk or something or that you have to be perfect. You can't have any fun. That's not what it's about. We're always, even at the highest point of this anointing, going to have fun. But what God is not talking about fun, he's talking about carnal things. I don't mean natural things, there's a difference. I'm talking about carnal things. And you know how he explained it to me? He said, son, you know how you're looking forward to, because you know, one of those days, you know, I, all of, most of those days, it was so painful to, listen, smell Jenny's cooking. And one thing, if you fast, your nose turns into Superman. You can smell things. I could smell things outside, man. I forget about inside. As soon as she cut the first onion, I'm on the other side of the house and I go, Oh my God. Oh Jesus, help me. My nose get your nose gets super attuned when you don't when you don't eat. And so, uh, you know, I, I tried nose plugs, but it made my nose hurt. So that didn't work. So I just said, ah, I'll just get over it. And I could hear her frying and cooking and dear Jesus. And I've got, I put spray everywhere so I couldn't smell, but then that don't last very long. And then I smell that spaghetti sauce, praise God. But so one of those times the Lord said, you know, you know how you're looking forward to, to eating again? I said, yes, sir. I sure do, sir. I understand that one. I, I could tick that box. He says, now you see, there's nothing wrong with looking forward forward to having a nice meal. He said, no matter how strong the anointing gets, nothing wrong with that. He said, there's nothing wrong with looking forward to having some clean entertainment. Nothing wrong with that. No matter how strong the anointing gets, we live life. We're not hermits. We live life. He said, what is wrong is that when you do enjoy your meal, that you eat two steaks instead of one. And he said, you have four bowls of pudding instead of one. He said, that's, see, one is a natural desire to eat then it's a carnal or fleshly desire to overeat. Do you understand? Now, I don't mean to be vulgar, but for married couples, especially younger married couples that maybe struggle because with the world, there's so much filth everywhere. And with the movies and everything, there's so much filth everywhere. There's nothing wrong with having a desire to be intimate with your, with your wife or your husband. That's normal. That's fine. No matter how strong the anointing gets, that's always going to be there. But what is wrong is when you start having a desire for things that are too far the boundaries and becoming unclean and sexually immoral. Do you understand? There's a difference between wanting to have sex and then wanting it, uh, then now thinking about outside the marriage covenant. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not very hard to understand. So there's natural desires which are perfectly fine with God, but then there are fleshly carnal desires which 
go beyond the natural and enter the realm of sin. So he said, you're always going to have fun, son. There's nothing wrong with wanting to watch a movie. But when you're watching something full of swearing and sex, that's, that's carnal. But it's a natural desire to want to be entertained from time to time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he said, you're always going to have natural desires, and that's okay. But don't let the natural turn into the carnal. And he said, my spirit will help you. A lot of people come to me, Taylor, and they say, Pastor, I don't know, and I wish they wouldn't say, because it really embarrasses me, and I don't like it. And they'll say, Pastor, uh, we need to talk to you about our sex life, and we need to tell you what we're doing so that we know if it's okay or not. And, 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 and I'll say, no, I don't need to know your positions or what you're doing, because people do try to talk to me about that. And, and I said, no, that's not my place. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need that image in my mind. Thank you very much. I don't need that in my mind. I said, you don't need to tell me those kind of things to know if it's wrong. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost because the Spirit will bear witness with you if what you're doing is, has gone beyond the natural appetite into the carnal, the fleshly appetite. No, I'm serious. You've got to tell people that because otherwise they think that they have to be that transparent with you and they don't. So, so what I'm not trying to mock or make fun or be vulgar. I'm just saying uh, you don't always need a counselor or a prayer tower, or your pastor, or a leader, or the staff member, or dear God, poor Sue, who takes all your calls. You don't always need somebody to unload stuff that's very private and intimate. I don't just mean sex. I mean other things too, like the thoughts you're having, or this, or that, or maybe some sin you're committing, or, you know, some people say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to steal that thing. I, I don't need to know that. I'm just, I don't need to know who you're going to rob the bank. Please don't tell me, because then I have to call the cops on you. Please don't tell me. But just if you're, that's an extreme, because everybody knows that's wrong. But if you're not sure, that something is a little bit going from natural to carnal, ask the Holy Ghost. He'll help you. He'll show you. He'll give you an uneasiness. He'll give you a check. No, son, just because you have your mask on, your sunglasses, and your cap does not mean you can go into the bank and ask for money that's not yours. Now, you see, if you're not sure about that, he'll bear witness. But of course, I'm joking because we all know that. I hope we all know that. I want your tithe, but I don't want that kind of a tithe. Praise God. Amen. So he said to me, son, you're always going to have natural desires, but just what, what you took to the carnal and fleshly level more frequently before the mantle will not be tolerated by me after the mantle as much, but it will grow. It's called consecration, set apartness, holiness. It will grow as the mantle grows. So you don't have to try to be perfect the first day, but you do have to be more than you did on December 11th. Are you with me? You can't have the same as December 11th as you have the 12th because the mantles come. Now there's a new race that has started and I'm expecting this to grow in time. So what we got away with before, you're not going to get away with now. You may think you will, but over time, that anointing will get stronger and stronger and stronger and the conviction will get stronger. And if you are smart, you'll humble yourself and say, Lord, change me, help me. I'm willing to be made willing. And if you're, if you're not smart, you'll, you'll, you'll fight God. You'll be stubborn and rebellious. And then you know what happens? Then like Dad, like Dad used to say, uh, the anointing uh, breaks the yoke. You'll become a yoke and a hindrance to the ministry because of your sin and your rebellion and you've, you're not, your unwillingness to humble yourself and change and repent. And the anointing, instead of strengthening you to run with it, the anointing will cause you to be separated from it. And, and, and then it's your loss. Then you're like an Esau. You gave up something precious for a bowl of lentils because you want it your way. You want your sin. You want your, you know, you, well, it's just a rom-com, somebody said to me. I said, what's a rom-com? I've never heard of that before. It's a romantic comedy. And I says, so, uh, so, uh, so as long as you call it a rom-com, now uh, unbridled sex and cussing is okay. 
I said, just wait, before, wait, just wait. I can't wait to watch it because you're in my church. I'll be watching. Believe me, I'll be invited. I just can't wait to you to tell Jesus it was okay because it was called a rom-com. I just want to see what happens. You see, people want to make justifications for their sin. And I'm saying, uh, those days, those days are those days of pulling the wool over Jesus' eyes, which you never ended up doing successfully, but some of you thought you did. Those days are over. Yes. The, the, we, we, are, we are on a new beginning. We're on a new... Now, whether or not you believe it, this is encouraging. <laughs> this is encouraging you, whether you feel it or not. But now let me get to the meat of the encouragement, and then we'll call it quits. He said they need, some of them need encouragement. They're feeling certain things, especially with the second wave. And so he gave me a scripture. I'd like you to turn to Isaiah 43, and I believe it will bless you. Amen. And then we'll, and then we'll call it. What is it, 854? I think another miracle is happening. I'll probably preach less now. Amen. Uh, I, I realize that, uh, well, anyway, praise God. Maybe once I get around Copeland, then that will change. So we'll just wait and see what the Lord once. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, I love, I love that. I just want to get it out, but I don't want to be unnecessarily long-winded either. Now, uh, this is the only verse other that I'm going to read to you. Now, in Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, in verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched like a candle wick. <laughs> you know what this is talking about? The children of Israel come up to the Red Sea and it's an impossible situation. The mountains are at one side, the other side. He's at the, Pharaoh's at their back. Thank God for the fire by night and the cloud by day holding them back. And he says, uh, why are you crying unto me? See, that's what we do, Taylor. Don't you remember how faithful I was? <laughs> I lifted my hands during worship last week. <laughs> Don't you know how good I am, Jesus? But now I'm dead. Now COVID's going to get me. I'm going to lose my job. You see, I see a Red Sea in front of me and there's no way through. What am I going to do, Lord? And he says to Moses, why are you crying unto me? Why are you whining? I've given you my authority. Use it. Stretch forth thy staff over the sea. You see, uh, what did Jesus say when they complained in the boat? Why are you so afraid? I gave you my authority, use it. You see the pattern of God, old and new? He doesn't, even in the old, before he gave them full authority, he'd given it to Moses, but he hadn't given it to anybody else. But because he gave it to Moses, notice he didn't tell the people, why are you crying? Because the people should cry, they don't know what to do. They don't, they don't have any power. But you notice that they were crying and Moses was crying, and God said to the one that he had given the authority to, in this case only Moses, what are you doing crying? I've gave you the power of heaven. Put your staff out and part it. You part it, don't ask me. My power will do it, but you command it. In other words, God needs us to say something so his power can manifest it. He didn't say it to anybody else, but he said it to the one that had the authority. But now every believer has the authority. So he's not just telling it to me. He's telling it to you. He's telling it to you. He's telling it to you. You on the couch, you on the chair, you on the floor. He's telling it to all of you because he's given it to every believer according to Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. So there's no more crying and whining. It's you stretch out. You say the word. You command it. You say it so that my power can bring it to pass. 
Praise God. And so there's an impossible situation in front of them called the Red Sea, and he uses his divine authority, and COVID for some of you has been an impossible situation. The loneliness has been an impossible situation. The, the loss financially, if you've taken one, has been an impossible situation. The, the feeling separated and, and all this stuff, the noise, the, the, the conspiracy theories here and there, and the fear about this and that upon the news, it's all overwhelming you, and it feels like a big sea that you can't get through. And God's still saying, you can do it. I've given you my name. Now you, now you, you command the situation to change. You don't have power to change it, but you have the authority to command it and my power will come on the scene. And so what does he do now? He puts his staff out, but look at this, Taylor. He says, he made a path, a path maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. What did God do? Through the impossible situation, he made a path. He will always give me a way of escape a route of escape in an impossible situation. And he didn't give them just any old path that's all watery and muddy and, and their wheel wagons are, are getting stuck and their mud's up to their knees. No, the wind, Bible says, the east wind blew on it all night and made it as hard and it made it like, like, like some, it made it a hard ground. I think you got to think about what that would have looked like. You got a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other and there's dry ground and not muddy ground, dry ground in front of you and you are walking a path through the waters of impossibility. And then when you get to the other side, the enemy is still there because the impossible situation was a thing that was water, but there's also enemies that are humans stirred up by demons that are on your tail and God just let them come right into the trap. What, listen to me, what was a way of escape for you is a trap for the devil. What was a way of escape for you is a trap for the devil. And the devil's chasing you, but don't you worry about nothing because when he gets where God wants him, the waters come down on their head. And notice what he said, I made a way in the waters for you, for the people of God, a path in the mighty waters, that's the Red Sea. And then I bring forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. He brought them into the trap and what? And they will lie down together. They will not rise. They have become extinct. They are quenched like a candle wick. You know, when you go and you go on the candle, it's so, it's, it looks so powerful and so hot, but one little and it's gone. And not only will he cause the situation for you to walk through, but the enemy, whether it's a person, a demon, and a demon inspiring a person, both, either, or, it don't matter. Whichever entity is after you, he'll quench it like a candle wick. And whichever situation seems impossible, he'll give you a clean path right through the middle of it. And that's the verse the Lord gave me to encourage you. He said, son, they need your voice for correction. They need your voice for gathering. They need your voice for strengthening. And they need your voice for encouraging. Tell them, I am making a path in the waters for them. Tell them, I will see them through the impossible situation they face. If they, but the condition is, you can't whine. You've got to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command the situation to change. That's your job. That's stretching your staff. His job is to say, yes, finally, somebody in faith. And his job is power. His angels, they go before you and they part that water and you walk through. And when you get on the safe side, you say, Father, now these enemies that are against me, deal with them. And he just, shoo, they're, 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 they're quenched like a, like a wick. So I want you to know something. You're not alone. No matter what this world says, no matter what the finances says, no matter what your job, your boss, no matter what is going on, no matter how impossible the Red Sea looks, no matter how dangerous Pharaoh's army looks, you're talking about God. We're not talking about you. We're talking about using your authority that he gave you, but we're talking about his power that will come on the scene. He will make a path for you through the middle of this water, and he will, he will end the attack of the enemy against you like you'd put out 
a candle. He said, read them those two verses and tell them that I am with them, that I will not leave them. No, I will not abandon them. I am with them. I've been with them all year. Some have, listen, some of you have responded more to God than others. And because of your response, you've received more from God than others. But every one of you have responded to a measure. Make 2021 a year where you respond with all your heart so that you can receive with all your heart what he has. Hallelujah.